And we're joined on the line now by Mohammed Nala, Head of Strategic Research at NetBank Corporate and Investment Bank. Good morning, Mohammed. Morning, Sakina. Morning to the listeners. Mohammed, uh, risk of uh, returns as China adjusts its daily yuan fixing lower. And um, there's a lot going on in China, so talk to us about this. Sure. I mean, Sakina, yesterday, thankfully, we had a, a very nice session in the U.S. We had nice, strong risk appetite come through. We had the S&P closing at a high again, and not an all-time high, but certainly a high that we haven't seen in quite some time. So green across the board. Uh, and then this morning, we, we returned to markets, and it, it seems as though risk-off has returned. We've got Asian markets, mostly in the red, as you've indicated in your intro, Uh, And a lot of this is related to uncertainty around China. Now, it was around two weeks ago or so when we had, in fact, just a week ago when they returned from their lunar holiday, uh, we had the PBOC governor coming out and he signaled support for the yuan and we had it trading a lot stronger. Uh, And then at their their weekly fixing, uh, just basically overnight, uh, it's now weakened or they've weakened that yuan by the most that they've done in over six weeks. So a lot of volatility coming through there. I think, uh, you know, the Chinese previously had pegged the yuan to the U.S. dollar, and everyone got pretty used to this very steady performance in the yuan. What they're doing now is that they're effectively pegging it to a, a global basket of currencies on effectively what looks to be a trade-weighted basis. Uh, and this has introduced a little bit of volatility, and I almost get the sense that they're trying to show the market that the yuan is not a one-way bet. You can't bet on the yuan only weakening or only strengthening. They're trying to get that through the market, uh, certainly in the market psyche. But for now, it's causing some angst. We actually see it a result in a little bit of risk off. We saw gold spike overnight as well. Uh, and until the, the, the world and the market really comes to grips with the new reality that the yuan will slowly over time start to behave a lot more as a flexible currency, uh, I, I think we're likely to see that sort of volatility persist. Uh, that coupled with the fact that we've got slowing Chinese growth and they're using massive amounts of ammunition to try and create some sense of financial stability in their own financial market. And that makes for a fairly tenuous mix for anyone who's a China watcher and certainly for an economy like South Africa with very large economic and trade exposures to the Chinese. And of course, Mohammed, the oil markets, they're watching the outcomes of meetings to inform output caps. Yeah, so, you know, this has kind of been in the news, and I heard it on your show last week as well, as the, the Russians and the Saudis came to, together and they said, we're going to look at capping production at record levels. Uh, but th- there's nothing set in stone just yet, and that's why it's still relevant today, is we've got some meetings in the U.S. We've got Ali Naimi, who is the Saudi oil minister. Uh, he's going to be speaking, if not today, uh, certainly during the latter part of this week. Uh, and the world is looking for some clarity on this. The Russians came out earlier uh, and they were saying, you know, we will have clarity by the 1st of March in terms of what these production caps really mean. But when you have that, and on the other side, you've got the Mexicans that have just pushed their output to record highs. I don't think that a, a production cap, even if it comes through from the larger players like Saudi and Arabia, uh, Saudi Arabia and, and Russia, would have any material impact. And that is because if they take any of their crude off the market, there are more than enough players in the rest of the world that would gladly supply into that market. So keep an eye out on that. We have had oil softer overnight on the back of that. Uh, and the, the, what, one last point on this is if you actually have a look at Saudi Arabia, you have a look at Russia, their production was actually coming off uh, in the latter part of last year in any event. So there's nothing new in this production cap. Uh, it's, it's merely a, a, let's call it a symbolic gesture. Uh, and as a result, I would remain rather uh, rather bearish still on the outlook for oil, certainly over the medium term. And of course, Mohammed Iran facing some resistance ahead of uh, the budget. 
Yeah, so, so let's contextualize this. I mean, the RAND has, has, has corrected quite nicely. It's consolidated from levels around 16 to where we are right now, around the 15, 20-odd mark. It seems to be running out of steam. It seems to be running out of momentum. Uh, and this is after a fair amount of optimism was then priced into the RAND on the back of the fact that the market expects the finance minister to deliver a reasonably positive. And when I say positive, I don't mean in a sense that we're expecting things to go well, but they're expecting to, to deliver a rather pragmatic budget. That's resulted in some positivity coming through to the RAND. It is running into some resistance around current levels. The next technical level to watch, if you're optimistic on the RAND, would come through at around 14 Rand 85 to 14 Rand 90. Uh, I don't get the sense that we have what it takes to actually break substantively below that. But if the budget does disappoint, uh, that really will be your litmus test in terms of whether we actually can even get to those levels or if resistance at current levels holds. Lots of event risk. Uh, I mentioned to you, we've got a breakfast. Just post the budget on Thursday. Uh, I will tweet out the Twitter handle of that, that breakfast, and we will be live tweeting from that breakfast. So it will be something nice for the listeners that can't join us to maybe just follow developments on that once we, we push that out.